Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services, for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today I have with us Nora Wendell. Nora is one of the leading worldwide experts teaching feminine magnetism, human connection, and authentic relationships to women worldwide. A former 10-year chronic anxiety sufferer, she now writes as a VIP author for Elephant Journal and Mind Valley to inspire millions of women to get out of their self-doubt, self-criticism to start leading a life of radiance, confidence, and aliveness. Her gypsy upbringing in Nepal and India, where she had a pet elephant growing up, cultivated in her deep desire to become a positivity influencer to women to inspire them to live extraordinary lives filled with intimacy, joy, and passion. She has lived and continues to live in Bali for the past four years, running her online coaching empire, as well as hosting worldwide workshops and retreats, all centered around feeling great about yourself and your life. Nora, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. Definitely. We always start out with how it was growing up for you. As people heard in your bio, you probably had a little bit of a different upbringing than most. So what was that like? Well, I don't know what it was like for anyone else. But I've <laughs> only had my own upbringing. I was born in Thailand. And when I was a week old, my parents were in Nepal, in Kathmandu, the capital, in the 80s. That tells you my age. And so they flew to Bangkok to give birth in the hospital there. So ultimately, technically, I actually I was growing up mainly in Nepal. Now, Nepal is above India. If you don't know where it is on the map, you can quickly Google it now as we're having a chat. And it's a beautiful culture based upon influence of Tibetan Buddhism and Hinduism. Okay, so it's very much about community. People are very, very friendly. And I had a lot of both local and expat friends. It was expat in the sense that there were a lot of peace corps and voluntary organizations there. So there were a lot of kind of expat kids that I was able to hang out with. My father was a lover of nature. He actually started a wildlife resort, which is why I was in the jungle in the south of Nepal a lot. It took about six hours of a very, very windy road. And we had this like 1980s, it might even be in the 70s, who knows, Subaru car. I know you know the brand Subaru, right? And we had this like station wagon of a Subaru and I still remember it. And it's still my favorite car brand of today because I have so many memories linked of it. And we used to drive for six hours down there. And then, you know, I'd be in the jungle and I'd get to ride my elephant. And I used to have my birthday parties down there. So that was a, you know, a good part of my childhood. Uh, My parents separated when I was around four. So my mom moved to um, Bangkok and then she moved to Hong Kong after that. So I had a very um, multicultural upbringing in that sense because I would visit each of my parents in their, you know, respective countries. And it was all Southeast Asia. Now I might not sound Asian because I'm not i'm actually european wow you have a a multitude background that's incredible so where does europe play a role in this 
Yeah, so my parents are originally from uh, Germany and Switzerland, and they just had this zest for life of wanting to get outside of their smaller uh, worlds, which they grew up in. And they met actually uh, in university in Taiwan because my mom was really interested in Chinese history and she went to study there. And my dad was actually really interested in Eastern philosophies. So he went to Taiwan. So that's where they met and they ended up in Nepal. Wow, that's incredible. So through all of this, what was high school and you guys call it university, we call it college. If you went, if you even went there, um, a lot of people, you know, nowadays aren't even going to college. But what was that like? How did you get into where you are today? Were you always on that path? Or did you go to college for something different? Yes, I went to college for something different, but I'll get there in a second. I, I actually went to, from 16 to 18, I went to boarding school in India. And I went to a international boarding school in India, but we had about 30% Indian students there. And the rest was 70% international students from everywhere in the world because this college not college you guys don't call it the high school that I went to the boarding school is called United World College and it takes as many kids from as many countries as possible and so it was like a microcosm of the world literally and after I graduated there at 18 I went to university in London and I actually studied art I studied immersive art so I did art installations I did video installations I got very into sound art and how sound had the potential for changing our perceptions of reality. So cutting out the visual because we're so reliant on visual. Uh, and after that, I actually went and did a second degree in Australia doing audio engineering, <laughs> which is like literally like, how do you record bands? How do you master? How do you produce a CD? Because at that time it was still kind of CD time and all of that. And saying that, I actually did my immersive audio installations within that. And I was like the, the odd kid out because I wasn't into like recording drums and stuff like that. But I was doing like all of these really weird, wacky installations of like, how do you tune your heartbeat to certain sounds and all of that. So my interest in, in life is, is, has always been around creating experiences, creating experiences because my parents love living an extraordinary life. And so I'm like, okay, how do I take someone out of their ordinary life and create an extraordinary experience with it? And so I was, uh, I'm very, very creative as uh, uh, in my background. So I went to art school and I went into audio engineering. I had a photography business. I started a jewelry company when I lived in India. I moved back there when I was about 20, what age was it? Maybe at 26, 27. And so I've always done creative things. And what I actually really realized is I can channel this creativity also in, into really helping women express themselves authentically. And a big part of my story was at 24, I had a panic attack on the London underground when I was studying in London. And that was literally like, I was just, you know, your podcast is surviving to thriving. I was literally just surviving by like this, thread of hope that I could overcome it. And it took me 10 years to fully overcome this low level anxiety that I was not okay. I didn't trust myself. And so the coaching that I do now is literally, how do I help women truly believe in themselves? How do I stop this doubt that I am not good enough? How do I live up to my fullest potential? Because we need empowered women in this world. Definitely. I definitely want to go into what was living with anxiety like? I know there are plenty of women who are listening to this that are living with anxiety, depression, and all of you know that self-doubt that you're talking about. And it took you 
10 years to overcome that. So what was it like for 10 years to just walk through this world with that? Ultimately, it came down for me that I didn't feel safe. So I really had to question safety in my life and what did I need at different points in my life to feel safe. So when it, when it first started, it was I couldn't go on the underground anymore. I couldn't go on the tube. At one point, it got really bad. I couldn't go on buses either. And so I did have to seek some therapy. I've always done alternative therapies. I never went on to medication. And I don't believe that uh, you have to do one or the other. You need to do whatever you need in order to move forward in your life and just really, you know, examine what you want to do personally and, and, and take it forward like that. I just didn't want to take medication because I knew the side effects were not something that I wanted to deal with. And so I did a lot of alternative therapies and living with anxiety, you know, was, was ultimately crippling in the sense that I just, I just felt like I couldn't do things alone. So I always needed someone with me. And that turned me into a very codependent person in all of my love relationships specifically. And I was just this really needy person. Further on down the line, when I was about 27 to, to, to about 30, I had a, a relationship with a South African partner who I met in India. And we moved to Cape Town, South Africa. And it was a beautiful relationship, but in the end, it was completely codependent and it would have never worked out because we couldn't separate from each other. And it was like emotional, almost emotional blackmail because it was just like the neediness because I wasn't okay to be alone. Is he around? Is he going to be there? Can he save me? It was like, I needed to be saved. And I don't really believe that anyone else can save us now. It's literally really understanding what are my needs in this moment? And when you ask yourself that and you get aware of what are your needs, then you can start to address how am I going to get them met? Who can help me if not myself? So what was that, that moment like? Uh, I'm sure it didn't happen overnight, but that, that realization, what was that first thought you had? And you know, what was your first steps to overcoming this? Like there were lots of little steps in all the different therapies that I took. So I remember very clearly what helped me start to go onto buses again when I was still living in London is I went and did EFT therapy, which is emotional freedom technique, which is literally tapping on certain meridian points on your face and, and your body while you repeat certain aff affirming statements. And that really helped me get over. So that was beautiful. Okay. Then another thing that really helped me was see, was, was doing this Gordiev dance therapy when I went to India for about six months. My father was living in India at that time. So I kind of needed his support. So I moved to India to be with him. And it's a very, I can't even tell you what it is. It's a really um, out there type of like therapy that involves dancing to like plink plonk piano music is what I call it, but you don't know what's coming next. And that moment I realized that I was okay not knowing what was, what was going to happen next. So that was like another kind of like, wow, okay, I'm okay. And then further on, I did some counseling and this lady, I had to go to the bank to pay this lady. And this was also in India and Goa. And I, and I felt like I couldn't go to the bank and, and she was like, well, I need to get paid. So what's stopping you? And I told her all my reasons why I couldn't go and the anxiety and the fear and everything like that. And she said, well, you're going to go Nora you know, why don't you ask a taxi driver? And I was like, I can't do that. And she was like, well, why not? And I was just, I listed all the reasons. And she was like, well, why don't you try it? And so I asked my taxi driver, you know, like really scared, you know, what's he going to think of me? Fearing judgment, feeling super small. And he was like, sure, I'll walk to the bank with you. 
cool. Drove me there and he walked inside. I mean, he didn't even think about it. And I was like, oh, I can ask for help. So that was like another little step. And so I managed to get the cash out, managed to pay her. And that was like, okay, I can ask for help. And then I started to ask for more and more help. Hey, I want to go to the shop. Can you come with me? And before that, I always thought I had to do everything alone. And that was my big issue. I didn't trust myself to do anything alone. So that was creating this internal battle of like, I want to do things alone. I can't do things alone. What's wrong with me? Ah, like that's what it felt like inside. It was, it was like horrible. So self-compassion really helped me as well really learning that it's okay to feel this way and if I only had to do one little thing that was okay and that was already moving so much more forward definitely was there a time where this anxiety ruined relationships for you um, and how did if it did how did you overcome those and how did you rebuild those relationships I think the, the, the main relationship was the last one I talked about is, is the three and a half year relationship I had in South Africa. I don't, I can't say it ruined it because I, I'm really grateful for the experience. And although we don't talk now, I have such love for him because it taught me that I didn't want a relationship like that. And it's, he's not a bad person and I'm not a bad person. It just, the situation didn't allow for us to flourish in the way that we wanted it to flourish. Um, and so I actually left South Africa and I moved to Bali, which is where I live now. And again, my dad lives in between India and Bali. So I moved here when I was still having anxiety to be closer to my dad again and be in a comfortable environment. And I moved close to my dad, like literally the rice paddy next to my dad's property in Bali so that I could have, like, I could feel safe. So again, this whole thing of safety, where could I go? Where could I create an environment around myself where I could like, relax and drop deep into okay whew, all right relief i'm safe instead of feeling this internal this like internal buzzer going off of panic ah, and it's not like uh you know flight or fright panic but it's literally like always there ah, i'm not okay i'm not okay i'm not okay i don't feel like it like it ended badly it, it just you know ended the way that it was meant to going back to you know where we left off you're at this point where you're taking these little baby steps getting over this and moving through what was that final moment like where you're like okay i'm free i feel like i can now teach other women how to do this there was a point what is it a year and a half maybe two years ago now when i wanted to go to sydney australia to do a personal development boot camp workshop called landmark i don't know if you know that landmark forum and i was just like i really want to do this it, it was recommended by a lot of my friends and i was just like i am no longer willing to be afraid to do things alone this is not the life that i want to live and i had heard of nlp which is neuro-linguistic programming and maybe like hypnosis and all of these things and i just had this urge of like I need to find an NLP therapist I need to find an NLP coach like really 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 and so I went to the local organic market that was in Ubud here in Bali and I met somebody who I'd actually met in Cape Town previously and I was I just mentioned to him yeah I'm not really doing okay I'm feeling this internal struggle I want to go but I don't feel like I can go and I'm looking for an NLP coach he's like oh I've got one from you she's in India I've been working with her for 10 years she's amazing I was like oh great give me her contact and so I reached out to her and we've been working together for almost a year, a year and a half now. And she 
help me reprogram my mind and remove the anxiety, remove the memory of the panic attack, I should say, and turn it into something that wasn't affecting me in the same way and allowed me to create the version of Nora who would get on that plane and be in Sydney and rent an Airbnb and do all of that alone and feel happy and celebrated and totally fine and safe. So I would say it was NLP about a year and a half, almost two years ago, that was like, wow, I know how I can control my thoughts. Because anxiety is just a thought where you're thinking something's not okay, that you're going into fear mode, and then it spirals out of control and you cannot get yourself out of this. What if this, what if this, and I'm not okay, and then what happened? And then it turns into physical symptoms in your body and it comes like a tsunami wave. And if you don't know how to handle it, that's then where you go into like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. And then you create all these negative experiences for yourself. So knowing how to handle my mind and stop the thoughts before they even go anywhere near that tsunami, right, has been like life-changing for me. Definitely. We've had a few NLP practitioners on the show and it is, you know, amazing what they talk about and, and how to flip that switch, really. that I mean, it, it is a switch. It is a complete 360 mind change that happens in a split second and it's incredible. So exactly. I definitely believe in NLP. <laughs> yes, me too, after my personal experience. <laughs> yes. So you talked about needing to figure out your deepest desires and what you need and want in life. And a lot of people are stuck right there. Like, how do you figure out what that is without lying to yourself or making it about what society thinks you should be doing? Mm. This is a really good question I actually journaled on this morning and I really I want to share it because it really it like I went deep without with it and it was what if there was no upper limit what would I be creating and that was really great if there was no upper limit what would I be creating and usually people say and I say this too if you had no time if time and money weren't an issue what would you be doing and this is that same question rephrased a little bit differently and I was like wow if there was no upper limit what would I be creating? Uh, and so I would recommend journaling on, on, on something like this. You can write, write that down, <laughs> rewind the episode and write that, write that down. Also, give yourself the permission to try things and it's okay if you don't feel into it anymore. I wanna tell you, I was a photographer. Okay, I studied uh, you know, experiential art and I went and did sound art and my dream was to do sound art for festivals. Then I started a jewelry company in India. Uh, I sold that when I realized that wasn't making me happy. I became a graphic designer and website designer when I moved to South Africa. And I realized, oh, this isn't, you know, I'm great at it, but this isn't really what I want to do. Then I moved to Bali and I started a stock photography company for the wellness industry. After two years and a whole bunch of my own money invested, and I'm talking like almost 100,000 US dollars, I realized that I built a big lonely castle and I'm actually a people person. And so then I started doing feminine embodiment photography in Bali because I saw a lot of the women were coming and my number one review was like, you made me feel so confident. I felt amazing. You held the space so well. And I was like, great, let me coach women in this because I've been doing it for three years now. Photography wise, I can trick this online. And that is what I'm doing right now. So I've gone through a whole bunch of different things. And this is probably in the last 10 years of my life. And I've given myself permission to change what lights me up and follow that. 
and forgive myself, right? We're so hard on my, our, ourselves. And that's the one thing I learned. I learned many things. One of the things I learned about anxiety is I was so hard on myself. So learning to have some more self-compassion. Definitely. A hundred percent agree. I was a cop for four years, went to school for it, did all that. And, you know, there was a point where it was just like, I don't want to do this anymore, but I felt such a tie to like my parents, right? They were so proud of me. All they did was, Oh, my daughter's a cop. My daughter's a cop. So I felt so bad thinking like, I don't want to do this anymore and I'm going to let them down. And it, you know, it was a long time, but I wouldn't even be able to say this sentence without crying because I was just so upset that I would let them down. Um, so definitely learning that self-compassion and just like, they don't care what I'm doing as long as I'm happy, healthy, and you know, sustainable in life. It, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. They're, they're going to be proud of me no matter what. So it is definitely something that even if you don't feel like you deal with anxiety or depression or anything like that, like everybody has that moment of self-doubt or, you know, feeling like they're going to disappoint everybody in their lives. Oh, it's, it's such a, it's such a widespread feeling. And it's because we, you know, ultimately we all foundationally at everything that we do is we just want to be loved. We just want to be loved. And that's why it's so difficult to deal with parents because that's where we usually that's where we first experience love or not love. Right. And so we have such a big emotional, uh, I call it like a wet spaghetti mess <laughs> around this whole idea of love and validation and fear of abandonment and not belonging and all of this. And so a lot of the work that I actually do with the women who come to me is really seeing, um, like, okay, what do you want? What's stopping you there? And like, what is your main fear or what is like your limiting belief? And then I'll ask them. So, what happened in your childhood where you experienced this exact same feeling of like, oh, it's not safe for me to express myself. And then they'll tell me a story of how, you know, they always got sent to their room because they were making, you know, funny skits or something. I'm like, well, there you go. No wonder that you're feeling like you can't express yourself or you can't do Instagram lives or whatever you want to show up in as the world because it was conditioned to you that you couldn't do that as a child. So you're just running a subconscious programming that you can't show up this way. A hundred percent. Like I, I believe in so much that childhood trauma plays such a role in what is going on in our current lives. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that you were abused and neglected and, and all of that. It could just be one instant where all of a sudden, you know, like it's that saying where you could tell somebody they're beautiful or handsome 10 times, but you call them ugly once and that's all that they're going to remember. So <laughs> It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be this ongoing childhood abuse. Trauma can be anything and it affects how we're living our daily lives. I always say it, I always say it like this. Um, trauma is like a really big word. So I always say what, is, what has happened is that your emotional needs as a child were not met the way you wanted them to be met. Um, and that doesn't mean that, like, I mean, you can have the most beautiful childhood and your mom was cooking dinner once and as a toddler, you walked up to her and you were like, mom, da, 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 da. and she's just like, not now, honey. And she's actually making you dinner, but you don't know that. And she puts you into your high chair and you're like, oh, she doesn't love me right? It's just your emotional need not being met. And that carries into life, into your whole adult life. And that's when you have your, you know, your inner child who's throwing emotional temper tantrums. And you're like, I don't get why I'm so angry. I don't get why I can't show up or I don't get why I feel so blocked. And so it's always, I always return back to childhood and just say, it doesn't matter if you had the most amazing parents, what did you actually want? And what did you not get? Right, exactly. It's, it's just, 
it's incredible the way that the mind works, which is why we're such believers in NLP and, and how that is working and um, how it's helping people overcome anxiety. So moving forward again, you, you know, you had this photography business and you were coaching women without really knowing you were coaching women. um, And you decided to then move into coaching. So what is your business? What's it like? And how are you helping women now? Yeah, beautiful. So I, I mentor and I coach women in really overcoming their lack of self-confidence and, you know, stopping their inner critic ruling their life saying, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You're an imposter, right? All of these things. So um, I coach women one-to-one. I also have a whole bunch of group coaching programs. I run retreats and workshops, but that for the moment isn't happening. So everything is online. And yeah, my passion is really allowing women to connect to like, what do they truly desire? And what's stopping them from getting that and allowing them to see like, actually, you know what, we can reprogram your mind because I use NLP on them. You can be who you want to be. And that's like, wow, I get to be me. That's amazing, right? Um, and yeah, my main channels at the moment are Instagram. I love it because I have this visual background, you know? So it's like, I love Instagram. YouTube is like a little bit too much work for me. I'm slowly getting back into it. Um, but Instagram is like easy, it's quick. And I'm like, I'm loving TikTok. I have like four videos out, but I'm like, I love how easy it is to edit videos on TikTok. So I'm right now allowing myself to create whatever content I want just to kind of figure out the flow of how I like to create. But I'm like, wow, and all these effects and you can just hold and do it. And I'm like, like when I opened TikTok last year, I was just like, whoa, this is like out of my brain scope. What is going on here? And I live in Indonesia, which means my home feed is is like Indonesian. And I'm like, whoa, like what is going on here? I don't even understand the language. I like closed it. I never looked at it again until I'm like, okay, like, let me have a look. What's actually going on TikTok? And so I did a little bit of research. I'm like, okay, cool. All right. Let's see if I can, you know, create some content that's uplifting and inspiring. Are you on TikTok? Are you like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've got a few videos up. Yeah. We, we, uh, a lot of it is sending videos back and forth between me and my husband, but we're definitely on it. <laughs> but that, this is the, this is the kind of thing I'm like, okay, how can I reach more women who are like, and TikTok is like, it's, it's like you start comparing yourself. We just naturally want to compare ourselves. So I'm like, okay, how can I create inspiring content where women can stop comparing themselves and give them actual tools to use so that they can stop their, you know, inner critics so that they can learn how do you rewrite a belief, giving them journaling prompts to really dive into like, what, what do they want? Like what's stopping them? How do they want to show up? Who's this amazing ideal woman that they want to be? What is the life that they want to create? So I create content all around that. That's awesome. Yeah, we absolutely love TikTok. Um, it's it's funny. It's interesting to see the different videos that get lots of views or lots of likes. Um, and it, it's just interesting to see what people are liking and into and who people are following because the video may not even be good, but it might just be that it's you know a, a key influencer in the, that world. So it's very interesting to to be on. I, and when I first went on, I'm like, it's only dance videos. I don't want to do silly dance videos. And I know those are the videos at the moment, which are still getting all the views and the likes and all of that. So I'm like, okay, how can you create business focused content on TikTok? And I think we're just at the beginning of the curve there um, yes. because it is first a dance app and it is first lip sync and it was all of that. Right. And now people are seeing 
especially the entrepreneurs who are like us are like, okay, okay, how can we actually use this to influence our tribe in the way that we want the content to be there and not necessarily just dancing. Right. Exactly. I, I am excited to see where that platform you know, goes and takes us. We're, we're definitely looking at the content that we can create to put out there because we're both entrepreneurs. We're not, you know, sitting there making dance videos in our, in our living room. So we're definitely on the same page there. I want to talk about the kind of a little bit in depth about your coaching. One of the things that I wanted to ask was what are ways that women can get back to themselves and connect back to themselves? My favorite way we were talking about TikTok and dancing is actually movement. So it's dancing and it's just a lot of people are like, I'm not a dancer. I can't dance. I'm literally put on your favorite song and just sit there and just allow your body to move the way that it wants to move. And that can look like anything. I'm also trained in a contact dance which is a form of dance improvisation. So I use a lot of that in my in-person workshops because I also teach, you know, connection. I teach intimacy and it always starts with the, with the relationship you have to yourself. Um, I'm a huge fan of journaling. I've talked about it several times on this podcast as well. So that's really a connect to self. And journaling isn't just like, this was my day today. I went to the shops and I saw the new shoes in Zara. And, you know, I bought some books on Amazon, you know. But it's literally like what's going on underneath this. And I like to put a timer on for 10 minutes, put some faster paced music on and just let my stream of consciousness flow, 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 flow for 10 minutes, not letting my pen leave the paper. And you'll be surprised what comes out sometimes. And if you do this every day, your brain gets into the habit of releasing um, stored emotions. And that's another way to connect to yourself is allowing yourself just to free flow right. Another way that I definitely enjoy is, is people call it meditation. I call it just sitting with myself, sitting with myself and just witnessing and observing. And like, sometimes I'm really frustrated. Sometimes I'm really angry. Sometimes I'm just like, this really freaking sucks. Okay. And that's just part of it. That's just part of who I am. You know, our external environment influences us. So I'm not going to be sitting there like a happy Buddha every single day. You know, and that's where I love journaling or then medit uh, or then moving my body because I'm like, okay, this sucks. I don't want to do that. I'll give it a try. And if it's just not working, then it's not working. That's where the self-compassion comes in. Definitely. Kind of getting into like our, our normal days now um, and what we're going through. What are some things that you would suggest to women who maybe had healthy relationships with themselves or with their significant other and this quarantine is impacting them and it may not even be real it may be fears that are manifesting inside of them um how would you suggest that they work through those uh one of my favorite uh suggestions is open honest evening where you plan specifically with your partner just to have a evening dedicated to truly sharing your your emotions and i teach emotional intimacy and it's not being afraid to share what you're truly feeling what happens in relationships particularly is you start to edit yourself and what you say because you understand your partner or your husband what they like and what they don't like and you're like i don't want to trigger them so i 
I'm not going to say that, right? But that means you're not being your true self either because you're editing yourself according to your partner. And so I like to do open, honest evening where you, you, you sit opposite each other and you get, let's say, 10 or 15 minutes and you just talk and your partner just listens. They don't need to nod. They don't need to say anything. They're just being a, a full body listener, I call it. And then at the end of that, your partner can say, thank you. I heard you. And they, they can repeat a few things back to you using your exact words, which they remember. Okay. You don't have to remember 10 minutes and then you switch no conversation yet. No back and forth. You switch. Then your partner gets to share for 10, 15 minutes. What's truly going on for them now. And then you can sit, be a full body listener and just hear what they really have to say. Okay, and this isn't about accusations or blame or any of that. It's really just allowing, creating a safe space for expression. And you don't know what's going to come out. And that can then open deeper and further conversations without the blame, without the finger pointing, and without this kind of toxic relationship patterns we often fall into. Definitely. I love that. I think that it is so important to have that. And a lot of people, again, are fearful of what their partner may think of what they have to say. So I think it's really important that couples are doing that. And if you are fearful of what your partner is going to say, what's underneath that? Is that like fear of rejection, fear of abandonment? So ask yourself if you have fears when I, for, to do what I just suggested, be like, okay, why do I have fears? So ultimately I know I want to be loved. So I fear if I'm my true self, my partner's not going to love me. Like really start to examine and question what's coming up for you. And that may be a really great starting point to, you know, start an open, honest evening and be like, I am really actually afraid to share with you. I'm just going to be vulnerable. But you know, I think if I share what's really going on with me, with me inside, like you're going to leave me, right? You can start the conversation like that too. This quarantine is looking like it's going to be lasting, you know, another month or so. Another, you know, there's no true end date because every time the end date gets closer, they keep extending it. So even if you know they're they're having conversations and they are having a healthy relationship, but uh, you know, whether it be man or woman, um, but mainly women, and they that just depression starts to sit in, like, I'm never going to see my family again. I'm never going to, you know, all of these thoughts that probably aren't true, but that are continuing to flow in. What, what are ways that they can overcome those thoughts? Uh, a thing that I teach my women is like, have a, have a pleasure list. Okay. And you know, ha and, and start doing pleasure practices. And that can be whatever brings you pleasure. And that can be sipping tea by the balcony. That can be putting your crystals in the bath with you. Like literally whatever brings you pleasure, make a really long list of all the little things where like pleasure has to look like this. Pleasure can be anything which brings you a little bit of joy and makes you feel good about yourself. And then really actively, consciously, intentionally choose three things every single day from that list that bring you pleasure. And that's just, again, tuning into you, tuning into your desires and your needs, and just being very clear that you're doing this for feeling better. Awesome. I love it. Um, so getting into a little bit of relationships, since this is surviving to thriving and we definitely, and we talk about domestic violence and domestic abuse, these women, you know, we're going to be seeing an influx of women that are um, using um, services and, you know, filing for divorces and being in emergency shelters and then having to rebuild their lives after 
you know, in the next coming months. So what would be a way for them to get back into that dating world? They obviously have to start loving themselves again. So what are the ways that they can begin to heal and do that to be able to find a, a healthy and, and fulfilling relationship? I would always say that it's really asking yourself, what are your needs? What are your desires? What are your wants? And I really don't believe, and now this may, might sound very controversial, but I really don't believe that there are negative things in this life, okay? Because everything is an opportunity to ask yourself, okay, I didn't want that. That wasn't what I wanted. What I want instead is this. So it's using your emotional guidance system to be like, wow, I felt very depressed. I felt frustrated. I felt angry. I felt hurt. And how I want to feel is supported. I want to feel trusted. I want to feel devoted to. I want to feel loved, right? So it's like pivoting yourself, using your emotions into how you do want to feel. And everything we want in life is because we want to feel a certain way. I always say we are human feelings, not only human beings. And so when you understand how you do actually want to feel, then you can be like, all right, what are the activities that I can do that will make me feel this way? So if you want to feel trust, well, what can you do that to make you feel trust in your life? And maybe that is, uh, you know, calling up a really good friend of yours who you actually do really trust and having a great conversation. If you want to feel loved, well, think about how many different ways can you feel loved in your life? Maybe if a dog comes up to you and you get to pet it, you're like, oh, I feel loved. He loves me, right? There's so many little ways. It doesn't have to be big things only, but really understanding your wants. And it's such a great way to look at your past experience and be like, wow, I really didn't enjoy that. Wow. I really didn't want that. And now I can see the contrast is I do actually want this. And then looking at the activities that you can do, the small activities that can bring those feelings into your life, because it's going to contribute to the bigger things that you want in your life, which will, which are the same feelings. What is one way that people can live up to their expectations and what they want to be in, in life? How do they get to that, that full body empowerment? Mm, well, I'll just say do some NLP <laughs> because NLP is so powerful because it brings, it brings the, it's like, I, I'll say it like this because I work with women. I'm like, who do you want to be? What are her behaviors? What are her feelings? How does she show up? And you create a mental picture of her tied to the feelings of who this woman is. And then you short circuit your brain into bringing you closer to that woman by feeling those feelings now again it comes down to feelings so you know it's like who is that woman who is that ultimate version of you how does she show up what does she want in her life why does she want it how is it, how are those things going to make her feel and then allowing yourself to do the activities actually the exact same answer what i just said because it all comes down to feeling we have these women who are on this road to healing and they are moving past you know their their relationships and they're moving on to um the next one what is the number one relationship killer assumptions making assumptions about your partner and we do this all the time because we 
get to know somebody and then we're like, oh, they always like, and this is a very simple example, they always like their coffee black. So you always make their coffee black, but that's not giving them a chance to change, right? That's assuming that they will always want it that way. And so I always question, is this what you want? Yeah, can you just clarify? Can you let me know? Is this still your desire? Um, I don't want to assume in my relationships because that means I am becoming lazy in 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 you know, how I, how I show up to my partner and to my lover or to my husband or any of that. So definitely see what you are assuming about your partner. And that could be anything from like, I'm assuming that, you know, maybe they no longer love me. Well, have you asked them that? You know, I'm assuming that they don't enjoy buying me gifts. Well, have you asked them that? Clarify, you know, asking clarifying questions in your life will get you so far because instead of going into the stories in your mind, you can stop that and it's tracked by actually asking, is this really true? I see that in lots of relationships and it, it, it you would think that, you know, just like the simple example you gave, just bringing coffee black all the time wouldn't be something that anybody would think as relationship killer, but that person can be like, well, they're not allowing, you're not listening to my needs now and you're not allowing me to, to change and grow. Well, also it's like, all right, suddenly they'll say, no, 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 I want milk. And you're like, oh my God, you never have milk in your coffee. What's wrong with you, right? That's probably the reaction you're going to give. And so you're just like, what do you mean? I'm not allowed to change my desires, my needs, my wants. And you're like, they are. We are, you know, we change all the time. Definitely. Um, so what is one overarching big piece of advice that you give to women? Like what is the, the overall thing? Maybe something we haven't mentioned yet or. The one thing I usually always say is like, you're so much more amazing than you think you are. And a lot of the women I work with suffer from like imposter syndrome, specifically, you know, in the entrepreneurial space and wanting to start their business online. And like an advice I give them is like, I want you to go back and read all of your blog posts, read all of your Instagram captions, read anything that you've produced and just realize that you are already an expert. You don't need to be an expert, uh, you know, you know, have a PhD in whatever you want to do to be an expert. Your simple life experience means there are always going to be people who know more than you. And there are always going to be people who know so much less than you. And you're going to be there and you can show up as you and you can always be teaching something to someone. Definitely. I know that a lot of, you mentioned it a lot here and a lot of people mention journaling. Um, and a lot of people have a really hard time starting that. So I'm wondering if you can give maybe a few journal prompts that they can write down and just to start that process. Mm, beautiful. Uh, I would definitely start with one of those journaling prompts of, um, you know, who do I want to be, right? Who is that ideal version of myself? And, you know, put some characteristics. How does she behave? What are her feelings, right? So those are three journaling prompts right then and there. And those can change from day to day too. I also I love the journaling prompt of, what's one that I use all the time? Uh, the one that I use all the time is, it's actually not a journaling prompt, but I allow myself to free journal. So I put, I, I mentioned this, I put music on and I just allow myself to journal for 10 minutes straight, you know, and whatever comes out, comes out. You can even write, this is really boring. I don't know why I'm doing this. Like what the effing F? Like you can even write that. It doesn't matter what you write. It's just allowing yourself to get into the habit of writing whatever is coming out of your brain. 
I love it. I I think journaling is so important and so many people even on the show have just have brought it up and um, that's one of the biggest feedback that I've gotten is, well, I don't even know where to start. Like I I don't want to, you know, I, I, I don't enjoy it. I don't want to do it. But hearing that all you have to do is write down, I don't like this and I don't want to do this is journaling and starting that process. Exactly. And again, we're so hard on ourselves. Like, I don't know how to do this. This isn't for me. I'm going to be an imposter journaler. There is no such thing as an imposter journaler. Okay. It's literally just writing down your thoughts. <laughs> Wrapping up, what is something maybe that we didn't hit on that you want to um, talk about that you think is really important for women to hear, especially in this time um, that we're going through? I think one of the things for me is really understanding that moving the body in terms of, uh, you know, dance or even exercise is so super important uh, for being a woman. So according to Indian uh, philosophy, like a woman is Shakti. Shakti is pure vibration. It's energy. And what does pure vibration and energy do? It moves. So if you're feeling really stuck and stagnant in your life, I really implore you to explore some sort of movement, right? Because the woman is meant to be moving. The woman is meant to be dancing and vibrating and creating. That is like the core of what it is to be a woman so I'm like okay well how are you moving this energy through your body if you're just sitting on the couch well maybe you can sit on the couch and do a few jumping jacks or maybe you can sit on the couch and stretch your neck or just keep like moving don't allow especially in this time right now stagnancy to be in your inner being Definitely. Um, and we have a few questions that we ask every guest that come on the show. Um, so I'll ask those. Um, first is, uh, what are you doing now moving forward? What are your goals for the next year? Mm, beautiful question. So I've got really big goals because I want to buy a investment property in Germany and I want to buy my own house, a little villa. It's not going to be little. It's going to be a big villa here in Bali. So I've got that as my vision board goal. So I'm like, that's where I start journaling. Like, who is that Nora who already has those things? How is she feeling? How is she showing up in her business as that version of Nora, right? Because in order to have that, I'm going to need to make some money, right? So to make, who's that Nora that has that money already, right? So I kind of backtrack from my goals and be like, okay, how can I embody that now with the same feelings of already having that so that it can manifest much faster? Awesome. I love it. And then next is what would the new you say to the old you? Mm, the new, new me would be would say to the old me, I was like, you are more than okay. It is safe to trust. Um, and here are, here, here are some little hints uh, to study a little bit more about mind and thoughts a little bit earlier so you can be more in control of the, over your anxiety thoughts. I love it. What is something that you can recommend to our listeners to help them through a tough situation? I know we talked about um, meditation and journaling and things like that. Um, just one more. <laughs> one more is just, I want you to take a beautiful big inhalation and then exhale longer than you inhaled. Okay. And do that three to five times inhaling and then ah, open mouth exhalation for longer than the inhale. And that will calm your nervous system down. It's scientifically proven. I love it. Um, and then is there a book, podcast, ebook, audio or audible book or, or anything that um, has helped you through a tough situation or that you live by and that you recommend to our listeners? 
<laughs> well, the one that's like currently at the top of my list because it's such a motivating book and it's nothing to do with anxiety, but it's definitely to do with mindset is You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. And it is the most motivating book to stop believing in your limiting beliefs and to get up and show up to what you want in life. I love it. I love Jen and I, I think she's such an amazing writer. Um, and then, so the last thing is how can our listeners find you, reach you and hear more from you? Yeah. Come slide into my DMs on Instagram. It's at Nora Wendell, N-O-R-A-W-E-N-D-E-L. Linked in the show notes. Um, you can come and friendly stalk my website, read more about the about me page, even though you've heard quite a lot of my story here. And yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram every day. And hey, I'm on TikTok now. And I think my username is like I think I don't even know. I think it's the Nora Wendell on TikTok. So come, 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 say hi on TikTok. Yes, definitely. I was hoping you were going to say your TikTok handle because I'm totally going to go stalk you. <laughs> Um, Nora, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving your wisdom to our listeners. Yeah, more than welcome. And like, you know, like I said before, you are so much more amazing than you think you are. Just put your hand on your heart. Take a deep breath in. And exhale all the worries. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving ATL, or online at 2thriving.org.